Today's scripture reading is 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, but the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in the house? And she said, Your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all of these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on the rest. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. Well, whether you realize it or not, you and I are needy. We're needy. Now, I might have just offended a good number of you, uh, because being needy in our world is not usually a compliment. It has a negative connotation, and in our world of self-sufficiency, it's just not seen as a good thing. Being needy is not something that you, like, quite naturally or willingly uh, admit or express one of the hardest things uh, for people to do, and, and myself included, is to admit that we need help. We need help. How many of us have seen a child, little child, struggling with a task, and every time you try to ask them to, to help, what do they say? All right, I got it. I got it. I'm good. I don't need help. I got it. I got it. Uh, we look at children and we get frustrated with them, but brothers and sisters, as adults, we do the same thing. We know we need help, but somebody tries to offer us help and we say, oh, no, 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 I got it, I got it. We don't ever want to be seen as needy, but brothers and sisters, we are needy people. I would argue that being needy in the Bible is a good thing. It's a good thing. Perhaps you've heard it said before that as Christians, we are needy beggars telling other needy beggars where we found bread. It is fitting with the countercultural nature of the Christian life. You see, in the kingdom of God, the math is different, it's just different. The poor are the ones who are rich. The weak are the ones who are strong. The last are first and the first last. So where in our world to be needy is a negative thing, in the kingdom of God it is seen as a, a good thing. Jesus tells his disciples in Matthew uh, chapter 5 and verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, the character 
of those in the kingdom is not those who have it all together. It's, it's not made up of those who in and of themselves have everything they need. No, the nature, the character, the disposition of those in the kingdom is that they realize that they uh, in and of themselves are bankrupt and can't possibly meet their needs, let alone their greatest need. That's the nature of those in the kingdom. That's what's being communicated there in Matthew 5 and 3. You see, sin has made us needy, both spiritually and physically. We are limited and lacking. And that, that's what it means to be, be, a, be a human. That's what it means to be human. And the sooner you and I come to grips with that, the better. In the Bible is not shy about communicating humanity's need. In fact, our neediness brings glory to God. <laughs> For when we are weak, he is strong. Our neediness puts us in a position to receive help and have our needs met by a God who is eager and willing to help and meet our needs. We will, we will see this type of benevolence from this benevolent God in our text this morning. Our account is about a widow and her sons. Now, if you have been with us uh, throughout this series, a series of Elijah and Elisha, then your ears should perk up. You might, you might be thinking, well, am I having a, a deja vu moment? Uh, I do remember something about a woman and, and her sons and she being in a destitute situation before. And maybe perhaps you're thinking, well, we went back or, uh, you know, did we, did we, did we, are we repeating ourselves? Well, I can assure you we are not. Think what we are, what we are experiencing this morning what we will see in our text is a God who delights to assure his people and encourage them in the work that he has called them to do. If you remember, the prophet Elijah also encountered, as we said, a, wid a widow and her son who were in a difficult predicament. You remember, it was the widow from Zarephath. She and her sons were suffering from the effects of the famine and were on the verge of death. That is until Elijah showed up and worked a miracle of provision through the unending supply of flour and oil. And, and therefore, she was able to survive. Her and her son were able to survive. And so... You wonder, why another widow and her son's account? Haven't we done this already? We know that God is a provider. Well, I believe what we have in 2 Kings 4 is God encouraging Elisha and confirming his promise that he would be with him. That he would be with him. 
He is using the, this miracle, uh, the similar miracle in the life of Elisha, the similar miracle that Elijah performed, um, to encourage him, to strengthen him. Not only do we have this miracle, but we will see uh, the next miracle that Elijah performs is very similar to the same miracle that Elijah performed after the widow uh, from Zarephath. Oh, brothers and sisters, I hope you would see that God is a kind God and that he encourages his people. He, he gives them fruit. This is, a, this is an encouragement to Elisha. May we, may we not underestimate the encouragement this brought to Elisha, and I pray it, it brings that same type of encouragement to you this morning as well. You see, God doesn't always work the exact same way, but he does work in similar ways. He works in similar ways. The, the path and the circumstances may be different, but the results are the same. Brothers and sisters, I think this is the exhortation here, a little aside. Uh, this is the reason why sharing testimonies with each other of how God has worked in our lives, how he has answered prayer, is so important for the community of faith. It's so important. We need to know and see how the Lord answered prayers in your life, how he met a need that you had. I need to hear that so that when I'm going through, I can be encouraged to say, hey, I know that God might not, all the details and all the particulars might not be the same, but I see how God has worked in your life. I believe that he can work in my life too. Brothers and sisters, share, share with each other how the Lord has worked in your life. Talk to me after. I've got a story this week of how the Lord worked in my life. I'll share that testimony with you. Stop me after. We just don't have time today, right now. But I'd love to tell you after. Ah, so God answers prayer. He works in the lives of his people in similar ways. And this is an example with Elisha. And Elijah. And so it was with them to confirm and remind Elisha that God, who was with Elijah, is with him as well. Elisha, keep pressing on. You're headed in the right direction. Uh, the, this, this double uh, uh, anointing that you had, this double portion of my spirit, it is on you. It rests on you. Keep pressing on. We get into our account this morning. The account has three main characters in it. And that is how we will break down the text this morning. The first character is a widow with a problem. A widow with a problem. As we mentioned, we, we know this account is similar to the one that we saw in the life of Elijah. And although the accounts are similar, uh, the details are different. This widow, she comes to Elisha with a, a problem. She comes to Elisha with a problem. There is much we can learn from this little detail already, can't we? This unnamed widow 
sets a very good example for us to follow. I think we can make the argument that she was a follower of Yahweh, given the fact that she was the widow of one of the sons of the prophets. You remember these sons of the prophets were those assistants to Elisha and Elisha. And this woman's husband, who was one of those sons of the prophet, died. So I think it's safe to assume if her husband followed the Lord, she followed the Lord as well. So here she was, a follower of Yahweh, but she had a problem. She had a problem. Now, before we discuss the nature of this problem, we must acknowledge an important point being made here in this text. Notice to whom she takes her problem to. Brothers and sisters, problems and issues arise in life as quickly as weeds grow in grass. And they grow quickly. I cut the grass at 7 p.m. at night. All the weeds are gone. And when I walk the dog at 7 a.m. in the morning, I see this mushroom fully grown in the middle of my grass. <laughs> Overnight! <laughs> Weeds grow quickly. You deal with them, and you think, oh, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm done. They're all gone. Two minutes later, you see another weed pop up. Where'd that come from? That's, that's just like the problems in life. You feel like you've dealt with all of your problems, and, and next thing you know, another one, another one pops up. Uh, they, eh, problems and difficulties in life, uh, they, they arise quickly, and, and they do not discriminate Everyone is susceptible to these problems and to the difficulties in life. Job 14.1 tells us this. Man who is born of a woman is few of days and full of trouble. The issue, you see, is not do you have problems in your life. We all have them. You're, you're, you're deceiving yourself if you say you don't. We all have them. The issue is, what do you do with those problems? Perhaps you bury them and pretend they're not there. I don't have any problems, but you're deceiving yourself. You do. Maybe you do like Ahaziah did, remember, back in 2 Kings chapter 1, and you take them to false gods, people that aren't going to help you. Maybe that's you. Or maybe you try to solve the issue on your, your own. Maybe that's what you do. You, take, you figure, I've got all the resources necessary to solve this problem on my own. And maybe, maybe you're, you're one of those uh, who, who tells everyone <laughs> your, your, your problem. You, you tell everybody your problem. Anyone who is, listen, who is willing to listen to your problem. You're not really interested in that problem being solved. You just, want to know, you, want, you just want people to know that you have problems. It's like a sympathy play, right? You just want sympathy from people so you let them know your, your problems. What do you do, brothers and sisters, with your problems? 
Where do you take them? The widow took them to the man of God. And therefore, what she did was lay it at the feet of Yahweh. The prophet, the prophet was the mediator between God and man. And therefore, taking her problem to the prophet meant she was seeking the help of Yahweh. She took it to the one who could do something about her need. She took it to the one who has all resources, to the one who ordains and governs and orchestrates all things that come to pass. She took it to Yahweh. I ask you again, brothers and sisters, to whom do you take your problems? Now, You may see the example of this widow taking her problems to the prophet, the man of God, and assume that you must do the same, like take your problems to the pastors or to the elders and lay it down at their feet. And that's not a bad thing. I want you, you can come and bring your your problems. I'd like to hear them. I'd like to think that I'm a good listener and will listen and pray with you and for you. And that is a good thing. James actually instructs us that when we are sick, that we ought to call for the elders, right, and tell them to bring the oil so that they can anoint us with oil and pray for us. But brothers and sisters, please understand that there is only one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. He is the one who grants you access to the Father. Jesus is prophet and he is priest. And you know what? You can lay your problems down at his feet. He bids you to come. He bids you to bring your issues to him. Brothers and sisters, he says it in Matthew eleven twenty eight and 30. I don't know if you need any more encouragement than this. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Oh, Jesus bids you to come. Any problems you have, any issues, come, he says, and lay them down at my feet. You have access, brothers and sisters, to this great prophet, to this great priest who has the ear of the Father. In fact, he sits at his right hand, interceding for us always. This widow had a problem. She had an issue And she took it to Elisha, the man of God. Now, we can certainly describe this problem as insurmountable. It was a great great problem. Being a widow, she was left with some debts that she had been unable to pay. I'm assuming that when she was married, when her husband was alive, there were some issues. But whatever the case was, she had debts that she was unable to pay. And according to to the laws and customs of the day, if you were unable to pay your debts, 
creditors were allowed to come and to take your children as payment and uh, use them as slaves as payment for your debt. This was her predicament. She had two sons, and the creditors were threatening to take the sons because she was unable to pay the debt. I believe the, the problem this widow is facing is a picture of two universal truths that the scriptures teach. First, it is a microcosm of the problem facing all of humanity. She had an insurmountable debt that she knew she had no ability to pay. Sound familiar? When Elisha asks her what, she, what he could do for her, she responds uh, uh, appropriately, and she, she says to, to Elisha, your servant has nothing in the house except of a jar of oil. She, she had nothing. She was bankrupt. All she had was a jar of olive oil. What she had was not going to be enough to cover what she needed, and therefore she had nothing. She had nothing. Brothers and sisters, this is the problem of every person born into this world. You are born having absolutely nothing, no resources to cover the debt that you owe. It's the catalyst, this problem, it's the catalyst behind all the other issues that, that, that are in your life and in this world. Broken relationships, a problem with a boss, financial trouble, mental struggles, worry, fear, all of it stems from humanity's greatest problem, namely a debt that we cannot pay. Whatever you think you have, it is not enough to cover what you owe. What is this debt, you ask? What is the nature of this problem? Sin. Sin is the problem. An offense of an enmity with the God of the universe. Because of sin, we all, as the songwriter says, stand beneath a debt we could never afford. <laughs> For our sins, they are many. They're many. And here's the thing about this debt. You started in the hole. Everyone started, excuse me, you started in the hole. Everyone started in the hole. And if, if you know accounting, you don't have to be an accountant and realize that that's a bad thing to start in the hole. And the charges were there before you were born. And each day, the charges and the interest keep on mounting and mounting. God has been offended. Each of us is guilty, turning are back on God and living in ways contrary to his commands. That's the problem. Everyone is born into this world with and has to deal with. 
And that is the problem followers of Jesus are trying to get unbelievers to see and understand. It's not about how much money you have. It's not about how many good deeds you have done. It's not about your network or your resources you have at your disposal. None of it is enough to pay the debt you and I owe. It's not enough. Your problem still has to be dealt with. You are in need of help, just like this poor widow. The question, the question pops up again. What do you do with your problems? It's a microcosm of the problem of humanity. But I think it also paints a picture and it is a reminder that the people of God are not immune to being in need. This widow, as we said, as we determined, I think we all agree she was a follower of Jesus. How could she have a problem of this magnitude? Followers of Jesus don't find themselves in these type of situations with, with debts like this, do they? Brothers and sisters, oh, a sinful world (laughs) means that everyone suffers, not just believers, not just unbelievers. Listen, God's people in this world do find themselves in quite trying and difficult circumstances. Anybody agree with that this morning? We do. We all do. Believers suffer. They find themselves in difficult situations. Those people who knock on the church door looking for help, it happens all the time. Those men and women standing on the street corner asking for change, do you understand? They may be believers who are facing an insurmountable problem. Listen, just because Just because they are in that predicament doesn't mean that they lack faith. It doesn't doesn't necessarily mean that they have done something wrong. This widow, this follower of Jesus had a need, and that need needed to be met. She needed help. She wasn't afraid to voice it. She just needed help. So she let God's servant know. She came to the prophet. Can I encourage you this morning to make your needs known, brothers and sisters? Make them known. None of us have it all together. Yes, 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 take take it to the Lord in prayer. Cares and concerns. Yes, take it to the Lord in prayer. That's where we should start. Start with the Lord. Take it to him first. But don't buy into the myth that you need to be self-reliant and that you can solve your problems all by your lonesome. What you have, it may not be enough. Oh, don't act like that child and say, oh, I got it. I got it. I I don't need any help. Brothers and sisters, I'm preaching to myself this morning. See, When you admit your need, when you admit that you need help, 
you allow God's glory to shine by trusting him to meet your need. That's, that's what expressing your need does. It allows God to meet it. Putting on full display the glory and the, 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 the glory of his benevolence. And, and that is what we see in our text. Oh, the next character shows up. A prophet with a solution. Elisha, the man of God, hears her need and asks her what she has in her house. As we have discovered already, all she has is this jar of oil, olive oil. Now, the instructions that Elisha gives her are going to test her faith, much like the instructions that Elijah gave the widow in Zarephath, tested her faith. Listen to the instructions, 2 Kings 4, 3 through 4. Then he said, Elisha said to the widow, go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels and not too few. Then go in, shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. Now, brothers and sisters, I got to imagine that she must have been confused by these instructions because I'm confused by these instructions. Go and borrow jars, vessels. How is that going to pay my, you didn't hear the problem I have. I, I have debts. What does collecting jars have to do with my debts? I'm not seeing the connection. Nevertheless, maybe confused, maybe not understanding, she listened. She listened. Oh, the humility. I can't imagine the humility and the boldness to go to her neighbors and ask for empty jars. What? This was no ordinary response. This response demonstrated great faith and a trust that God's ways are not our ways, no matter how strange we think they are. She was obedient to the word of God. And brothers and sisters, take note, having your needs met by God is not devoid of following after the commands of God. Matthew 6 and 33, but seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. There, there, there is no, in the kingdom of God, there is no, I will do it my way, and then expect the Lord to meet your needs. It doesn't work that way. The Lord honors obedience. This woman's faith demonstrated by listening to the instructions of Elisha, then in our text, we have our final character show up, a God of abundant provision, a God of abundant provision. So the widow, this widow, she, she did as she was told. She gathered from her neighbors as many jars as she could. Elisha told her not too few, so, so get a bunch, 
get as many as he can, and she did, and she went into her house, and she shut the door, just as the prophet had instructed her. And she then, she then began pouring and pouring and pouring, and, and as one jar filled, she, she told her, her son to grab an, another, and, and when that one was filled, she began filling another, and on and on and on this went until there were no more jars to fill. Brothers and sisters, make no mistake about it. This was not magic. This was a miracle worked by the hand of Yahweh. It was a miracle. It was a miracle. The oil just kept pouring. And pouring, she filled a jar, and that would once that was filled, she would fill another one, and it kept on coming and coming and coming. Amazed and not sure what to do with all this oil. Uh, uh, remember, her problem was that she had a debt to pay. Now she's got all this oil. What do I do with all this oil? Well, she goes back to the to the man of God, the prophet Elisha, and he tells her how God is going to meet her need. 2 Kings 4 and 7. She came and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil, and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on the rest. Her problem solved. Her need was, was met this woman would be able to pay off all of her debt, and she and her sons would be cared for with the proceeds, the rest of the proceeds she would make from selling all of the oil. A miracle worked. God provided. A great God of provision. A miracle. But brothers and sisters, like we continue to mention in our series of God's miracles and his mercies, God's miracles are not just random occurrences. God is using them to, to, to communicate something, to reveal something, to show us something, to point us to something, and this miracle is no different. God meeting the need of this widow in this miraculous way communicates that he is a benevolent God and full of benevolence toward his people. That's what we're learning here. He meets their needs and he does so in abundance. He does so in abundance. God, you do understand, because we are needy, spiritual, we have a spiritual problem, God meets that spiritual need. He does. Namely, the insurmountable debt that left us spiritually bankrupt. That's the need the Lord meets. Christ came and paid everything we owe, canceling the record of debt that stood against us. Amen? That's, that's what we learned from Colossians 2 and 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, 
having forgiven all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demand. Is that not glorious? Brothers and sisters, I don't know if you've ever had a debt. If you've had a debt, you, do you know what it is to have that debt paid? Oh, it is a glorious and a wonderful feeling. It'll make you run around the sanctuary a couple of times. Oh, oh, this glorious debt, an insurmountable debt that we could not possibly pay, God paid. And so now we are free to sing like the songwriter. What riches of kindness he lavished on us. His blood was the payment. His life was the cause. You and I stood beneath a debt we could never afford. Our sins, they are many. Oh, but God's mercy is more. He canceled, he canceled the debt, the debt that we owed. He met our greatest need. But that's not all. Remember, he is the God who provides. He meets our needs abundantly. Abundantly. Oh, in Christ, our need, our greatest need is met. And in Christ, we have not just enough, but we have more than enough. More than enough. Ephesians 1 and 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Oh, we, in Christ, we are rich beyond rich. Abundance upon abundance. Yes, yes, our, our debt has been paid. Cancel. We just don't get our slate wiped clean. We get more, abundantly more than you and I ever, ever deserved. Ah, he is a benevolent God who reigns over a benevolent kingdom. And that is the second, the other truth this miracle demonstrates. It demonstrates the, the, the benevolent nature of the kingdom of God. You and I, as followers of Jesus, not only have a benevolent God, but we are, uh, we are citizens of a benevolent kingdom where God reigns, where God reigns. The kingdom God is ushering in is a kingdom where all the needs of God's people are met in abundance. This is what the miracle that God works on behalf of this widow is pointing to. It's pointing to a, a future, a, a, a lasting city where there will be no more needs, where all will be well, where the milk and the honey will flow. No one will be in need, where there will be plenty of abundance, plenty of blessings. Listen to the prophet Amos describe, describe it. Amos 9, 13 through 15. Behold, 
The days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes him who sows the seed. The mountains shall drip sweet wine and all the hills shall flow with it. I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel and they shall rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and, and drink their wine. And they shall make gardens and, and eat their fruit. And I will plant them on their land. And they shall never again be uprooted out of the land that I have given them, says the Lord your God. That's the benevolent kingdom. That's the benevolent kingdom that we look to, that we are longing for. That's the, that's the benevolent kingdom that God is ushering in. And I don't know about you, but that sounds like a kingdom that I want to be a part of. God is a benevolent God that I want to serve, that I want to have the privilege of laying my needs down at his feet. How about you? How about you? Is that a kingdom that you want to be a part of? Is that the benevolent God that you want to serve? Well, turn. Recognize your need of a Savior. Recognize your need of Jesus. You can't meet your greatest issue. Only God can in Christ. Trust him. Watch him cancel all your debts and then bestow on you every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Oh, we've got a benevolent God who reigns over a benevolent kingdom. Oh, let's pray.